Hello, this is Audrey Mack. The Word of God says in 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you may prosper, be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So I pray that this message be a blessing to you. Go deep into your heart to work divine transformation, both in you and through you. So get ready, open your heart, and be blessed. Well, tonight you know if you are here tonight, it's because you want to learn more about faith. Amen? Um, faith is the subject that um, is really important and necessary for the believer. If you're a believer, what are you supposed to do? Anybody? Believe. To believe. Amen? And so it's, it's a, a very, imp- it's actually one in Hebrews 6, 2. It says that faith towards God is one of the elementary doctrine of the church and one of the pillars in Jesus Christ. And so it is important for us to know faith, to understand faith, and how to walk by faith. But unfortunately, um, many people get confused about faith. And I have to say, tell the truth, that it takes a theologian to complicate things, right? (laughs) And it takes a religious theologian to make faith complicated. But faith is simple. Amen. And so in these next few hours, in the next four hours for Wednesday nights, I won't keep you till midnight, don't worry. <laughs> uh, in the next four sessions we'll have together, we're going to talk about faith, what it is, how to uh, walk in faith, amen, and how to walk in victory. Unfortunately, many people who did, don't totally understand faith, and they try to walk by faith, and they fail, and, and Oftentimes, people are quick to abandon and say, well, that faith stuff doesn't work. Or they'll come, uh, let, for example, they need healing, and they try to get, to get healed by faith, and they don't get healed. And so many people have come to the conclusion that, well, it must not have been the will of God. And that's how people build some false doctrines against healing because they've tried it. It didn't work. And therefore, they said, well, faith doesn't work. Amen. Or it must not be the will of God. Well, we know uh, that we know that um, in Christ on the cross, God has given us all things. It's called grace. By grace, yes, God has given us all all things. But that's the problem because people think that, well, by grace, God is given it. So therefore, if it's His will, it's going to automatically come to pass. Right. You see, people said, well, if it is the will of God, then it will happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah come on. Yeah. But I want to show you tonight that even though by grace, God has given us all things. It will not automatically come to pass. Example, salvation. The Bible says in the Word, and and how many of you believe that? It is the will of God for every person on the face of the earth to receive salvation. (laughs) The Bible says... In 2 Peter 3, 9, that God doesn't wish that any perish, but all comes to eternal life. Amen. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. 
That means that by the grace of God, salvation is available to all men. Another verse in Romans 5, 18, it says, Through one man's righteous act, which we know is Jesus, the free gift came to all men. So we see that salvation is available and has been given by grace to all men. But is everybody born again? Not everybody is born again. Why? Because the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 8, see, said for by grace, here again, the free gift of God, by grace you have been saved through faith. You see, by grace God gave salvation, but it is through faith that one gets a hold of it. And actually, the word saved which is the Greek word sozo, encompasses sozo when it says that, that we are saved by grace, we are saved through faith. The word saved, it's really the word sozo. And if you know anything about it, it means to be delivered from eternal punishment from hell, but it also means to be healed, to be delivered from danger, to be protected, preserved, prospered, to be made whole. So you see, in fact, is by grace, we've been given healing, protection, salvation, prosperity, peace, everything, but it is through faith that you get a hold of it. You know, there was a man in the Bible, like, actually like many Christians today, that man had a little boy who was epileptic. And, you know, his disciples tried to heal him. They couldn't do it. So the father ran to Jesus. And you know what he told him? He says, if you can do anything, please come to, to help us. Do something. What would Jesus say? The man says, God, if you can do something, please do it. That's why many Christians pray, if it is your will, let it be done according to your will. What are they saying? God, if you will, if you can do something, you do something. What did Jesus answer? And this is found, if you want to write it down, in Mark chapter 9, verse 22 and 23. What did Jesus answer? He says, if you can do anything. No, no, no. Jesus says, if you can believe. You see, Jesus returned the responsibility because, yes, by God's grace, by his power, God wants to heal. But he took that man's faith. Jesus says, it's not just about my power. It's not just about my will. But it's about, are you ready to, to believe? Can you believe? Can you believe? Amen. And so we see here that the responsibility is not all on God. God's will is to save, to heal, to, to preserve, to protect, to prosper, to do all kind of things. And he did it in Christ. But we receive by grace through faith. Hallelujah. Why is that? Why is it that God chose to do it like this? Well, number one, because God is a God of faith. And the minute you get born again, and become a citizen of the kingdom of God, you've got to adopt the M.O. of the kingdom of God. And what is the M.O.? You know what the M.O. is? The mode of operation. 
The mode of operation in the kingdom of God is faith. And so that's why the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God because that's his mode of operation in the kingdom of God. The Bible says here is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith, our faith. And that's why the Bible says that as a believer now, we should not walk by sight, but learn to walk by faith. The Bible even says, how many believers do we have here? <laughs> Romans 1.17 says, the just shall live by faith. You see, faith is not just something we do. Faith has to be a lifestyle to the believer, to you and I. Unfortunately, most Christians live on a natural level. Most Christians live on a carnal, natural level instead of living in a supernatural level, which is faith. The just, which means the righteous, and everyone, if you're born again, you qualify, you are righteous. Amen? And the Bible says the just shall live by faith. He has to adopt that M-O, which is faith. Amen? Hallelujah. So, if we've got to walk by faith, walk in victory by faith, live by faith, do everything by faith, don't you think it would be good to know what faith is? Right. Well, most people, contrary to popular belief, faith is not a mystical power or a gift that will drop on just a few persons when we ask God. Faith is not something mystical. Faith is not something that God will grant, grant to one and not the other. Faith is not something that you've got to, you know, work up. No, no. Faith is very simple. And we find the definition in Hebrew chapter 11. Go there with me. Hebrew chapter 11, verse 1. The King James Version says, I'll wait for you if you want to turn there. Hebrew chapter 11, verse 1. How many of you believe in miracles? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Are you willing to see a miracle tonight? Amen. Yeah. I hope we'll see one if I finish the, everything I want to share tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hebrew chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let me read to you that same verse in the Amplified. I mean, it's Amplified. They took words in Greek that meant so much more than what was translated in the King James, and they Amplified it, just to give us a little more clarity. In the Amplified, it said, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed by the senses. I know it's kind of long-winded, but now let me give you the Audrey version. It's the right-to-the-point, condensed, you know, everyday English. Is that okay? <laughs> faith is being... Totally persuaded of something we cannot see, feel, or perceive by the five sense. But we know that 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 it is real. 
Faith is being convinced and persuaded of something we cannot see or feel or perceive by the touching, the hearing, the smelling, the tasting, the hearing. But we know that we know we are persuaded that it is real. Amen. That's what faith is. Amen. In Hebrew chapter 11, which we call the chapter of faith, the chapter of the heroes of faith, because if you look at every person that has been noted in that chapter, it talks about men and women who had faith. And you know what the common denominator was to all those people is that they were willing to believe in the promise of God instead of believe of what they could see, feel, or hear. For example, Noah, when God says, I want you to build an ark because there's going to be a flood. Hmm. Noah had never seen a drop of water and rain before because until then the, the earth was watered with a mist coming from the, 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 the ground. A rain, flood. He didn't know. He had no physical proof whatsoever, but yet... For 100 years, he, with one hand, he built an ark, and with his mouth, he preached the righteousness of God. 100 years, while people were mocking him, trying to discourage him, but he had faith because he believed in the word of God, more of what he could see through the weather, what he could see through, he had no physical evidence. The children of Jericho, the children of Israel, when God told them, You've got, I'm giving you the city of Jericho, Right? You know, when they approached Jericho, they saw a wall that was so high, so thick, that it is say history uh, uh, says that they used to do on the top of the walls of Jericho, they used to do chariots races. That's the half thick. And, and Jericho was known to be the impenetrable gate into the land of Canaan. Nobody had ever gone through the, the city of Jericho. But yet they marched around the city and no matter what they could see. And you imagine the people on top of the walls mocking them, saying all kind of insult, doing all kind of stuff. And, but they kept their mouth shut and they kept on walking around. Why? Because they chose to believe more that God had yeah. promised that he gave them Jericho. God promised that the walls would fall and they chose to believe their word of God more than what they could feel, see. And here with their with a ears, Abraham is called the father of faith, is he not? Go with me to uh, uh, Romans chapter 4. In Romans chapter 4, verse 19 through 21, it says that, I wait for you, I see you turning pages. Say amen when you're there. Amen. Good, you're quick, you're sharp. It says, and Abraham, not being weak in faith, I want you to see that word weak and remember it. Later on, we'll, we'll get back to it. But it says that he was not weak in faith, but did not, how he did not consider his own body, what he felt, what he saw, amen, already dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, who had been, you know, barren since, since, the time she was a kid, she was 16 years old, she couldn't have any kids. And now she's 90 years old. 
You see, he says he did not consider his own body or the deadness of Sarah's body. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And he was fully convinced or persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Here again, we see Abraham, the father of faith. He had faith. Why? Because he chose to believe the promise of God instead of what he could see and feel in his body or instead of what he could see and, and look and, and, and in, in Sarah's body. Amen. So we see that faith is being persuaded of something you cannot see and feel. But you know that you know that you know that it is real. And you know what I like about God and the Bible is God doesn't just give us the success stories. He's put also the failures. You know what I mean? Because we can learn through the failures as much as we can learn from the success and the victories. And we, God showed us somebody named Thomas who did not have any faith. Go with me to John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, verse 25, you, you remember that? That is after the resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead, and then he appeared to the disciples. There were actually, Thomas was not there. Judas had hanged himself. And so there were ten, ten of the other disciples. And he, he appeared in, the, in their midst, and they all got excited because they saw that Jesus had risen from the dead. And then the next day, they got so excited, they found Thomas, and they said, Thomas, you would not believe what happened. We saw Jesus. He is risen from the dead. And what did Thomas say? Unless I can see the hole in his hands, unless I can put my finger in those holes, and unless I can put my hand on his, in his side, I will not believe. What was Thomas saying? I will only believe if I can see, if I can feel, if I can touch. Now, God is so, is so good. A week later, Jesus reappeared in the, midst of, in the midst where the disciples were. And then Thomas was there. And what did Jesus say? He said, hey, Thomas. Come here, buddy. Can't see Thomas. Oh, my Lord and my master. And Jesus said, Thomas, take your finger. Put it in my hand. Take your hand. Put it in my side. Thomas, because you can see and you can touch, you believe. Blessed are those who do not see and do not touch and yet believe. What is Jesus saying? He says, those who do not choose to believe something that they cannot see or feel will not be blessed will not be healed, will not see any success. Their faith will not work. But Jesus is asking us to believe in something we cannot feel and we cannot see. Amen. Amen. But many people said, Audrey, how, how can I believe in something we cannot see and feel? How can you do that? Well, you know, let me ask you this question. It's something we do all the time without even realizing. How many of you believe that God is real? Yeah. Hope everybody. <laughs> question. Have you this morning got up 
and seen God face to face? Have you heard an audible voice? Good morning. <laughs> Have you smelled the perfume of God? Have you been able to go and shake his hand and say, Oh God, I love you. You're so good. And shake his hand. Have you been able to touch him to see his physical form this morning? Anybody? <clears throat> Nobody in this room. But yet, every one of you, you believe God is real. You've got faith. How many of you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, that Jesus was nailed on the cross, was buried in the grave, and then rose three days later from the dead? Anybody believe that? How many of you were at the cross? How many of you were at the grave? How many of you were there when the disciples saw him risen? Anybody? None of us, but yet we are persuaded we, are, we know that, we know we are persuaded and we know that God is real, that Jesus is real, that the resurrection is real. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah. You see, this is faith. It's not that complicated. And so in order to believe in something we cannot see and we cannot feel, and I'm talking now about getting a hold of the promises of God, we have number one to understand and accept the fact that there is not only just this physical world, but there is a spiritual world. Go with me to Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, it says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Here again, we see that God is real, but he is invisible. And it says, by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, both visible and invisible. Do you know what that tells us? That God created two different worlds. The earth in which we live in. And to live in this earth, you'll agree with me that God has given you the five senses. The touching, the seeing, the hearing, the smelling, the tasting. I don't know which one I forgot, but we know there is five. God gave us those five senses in order to navigate and to walk in this world. We need it. If you want to crisscross the street, right, you need to see and to hear. And what you see and what you hear will tell you it's safe to cross. Amen? Hallelujah. But in the same way, we've got to accept that there is another world. That's not all that there is. There is a spiritual world. We call it the realm of God, the the invisible, uh, supernatural spirit world, the realm of God. And it's invisible. Amen? It's invisible. And... You remember in Second King, I believe it's in uh, chapter, chapter 6, I believe, when Elisha was, you know, the king of Syria wanted to go against the, the king of Israel. And every time he would talk to his counselors and his generals, uh, Elisha would hear it in the spirit. And he would go to the king of Jerusalem and he would reveal the battle plan of the Syrian. Yeah. And every time they would counterattack. Mm-hmm. Finally, the king of Syria said, can somebody tell me 
Who is for the king of Israel? Who is the spy? And they say, Master, nobody is, for, is a spy here. Hey, but there is a prophet in Israel that hear everything you say in the, in the, in the chamber. So they organized a huge, uh, um, a, a whole garrison. Uh, uh, the army goes and march against uh, Dothan. It's not Dothan, Alabama. It's Dothan in Israel. <laughs> And so they go over there to surround the city of Dothan where there is Elisha. And so all of a sudden his servant, his young servant, goes on the tower, goes on the wall, and he looks and he sees 10,000, 20,000, 100,000. He sees all around uh, soldiers armed to the teeth. And he goes back to Elisha and says, Master, Master, we are surrounded. Why are we going to perish? What are we going to do? And cool as a cucumber, Elisha said, those who are with us are more than those who are against us. <laughs> the servant goes back on the wall and looks, 100,000, 20,000, for these 50,000, 100,000, 200,000. He goes back inside, one, two. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, Elisha, because what it is, in his, with his physical eyes, he could see there was nobody but the armies of the, of the, the, Syrian, the Syrian army. And all he could see was Elisha and himself. But then Elisha, God said, God, open his eyes. Well, his physical eyes were open, were they not? But God said, open his eyes. And he went back onto the wall. And what did he see? Angels. Angels surrounded. Now, when did the angels appear? Why then? No, they were there all the time. But you see, they, they were not visible to the physical eye. They were in the spirit because there is a spirit world. And so to walk by faith, we have to be willing to accept and believe something that, that number one, there is a spirit world, that it is real, as real as this physical world. And then we've got to be willing to believe some things that God promises us that we cannot see, feel, or touch, or perceive by the five senses. Amen? Hallelujah. So my next question then, it's, or I would say my next statement is, in the, it, it, that means that all the blessings that God has for us are invisible because they are in the spirit world. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says that God has blessed us, past tense, you notice that? God has blessed us, past tense, with all, how many? All. all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. You know what that reveals? That all the blessings that Jesus, by his grace, has given to the church, they are number one. Spiritual blessing, that means they are in the spirit world, in the heavenlies, amen? And they are invisible. And you know that when we talk about heaven and the heavenly, it's not just talking about paradise, the place where we're going to spend eternity with God. Even that includes it. But it's talking about the realm of God. It's talking about the spirit world, the realm of God. And so those spiritual blessings are where? In the, the realm of God, in the spirit world, in that invisible world. Amen. That's why the Bible says in verse 11 of chapter Ephesians 1, he says that in God, in Christ, we have obtained 
an eternal or an inheritance. You see, it's that inheritance that has been given to us and it has been deposited in the spirit realm, in the heavenlies, in that invisible realm of God. And if you allow me to say it this way, without being offended, because it's just an illustration, is when Jesus died from the dead, after he rose from the dead, when he died and rose from the dead, Jesus, after raising from the dead, he said that he blessed us, gave us the blessing of Abraham, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in him, and gave us an eternal inheritance. And if we allow me to say what he did after raising from the dead, all those blessings, that inheritance, he deposited into a spiritual bank account. And it's, it's a bank account where everything has been deposited waiting for you, but it's in the realm of God, in the spirit, so it's invisible. Go with me to First Peter chapter 1. In First Peter chapter 1, verse uh, 3 and 4. That's what it actually says. First Peter chapter 1. We are building line upon line. Amen. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he, he has begotten us to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven or in the realm of God for you. Hallelujah. So all those blessings, everything that God has purchased and has given to the church is reserved for you in a heavenly, spiritual, invisible bank account in the realm of God. Amen. But how? How can we, how can you find out what is in that bank account? Because it's invisible. How can you find out and discover what belongs to you? Because it's in that spiritual bank account, which is in the realm of God, which is invisible. The Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says, While... We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen or invisible. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen or invisible are eternal. Wait a second. Paul, I don't understand what you're saying. You're saying that we look at things that are not seen? How can you look at something that cannot be seen? My friend, we can look at the unseen through the word of God. If you allow me to say it this way, what is this? It's a Bible. Right. No, it's not a Bible. It's a spiritual window. Amen. It's a spiritual window that allows you to see in the spirit world. When you open your Bible, it's like opening a window. And when you look, you can look at something that is not seen, at the invisible. This Bible is a window, a window into the spirit world, a window into the realm of God. And every time you open your Bible, you open a window and it enables you to see 
into the spirit realm to see those blessings that are invisible and deposited in, in the heavenly places. Amen? And that's why God has given us the Holy Spirit. Because so many of us, we need a lot of help. How many of you, you open the word and you're like, it looks like Greek to me. It looks like Hebrew to me. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, everybody's doing good? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says in verse 9, it says, I has not seen, no ears heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Why? Because those things are invisible. They're in the realm of God. Your eyes cannot see them. Your ears cannot hear them. Your heart cannot even perceive. So, said God then has revealed them to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit was from God, that we might know the things that have, have been freely given to us by God. You see, that's why when you open your Bible, ask the help of the Holy Spirit. He said that he would reveal to all truth. He would give you revelation. And then you can open your spiritual window. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, you will see things you've never seen before. Have you, it happened to you to read a scripture a hundred times. And then one day, it jumps off the page. It's the Holy Spirit that is revealing things that belongs to you. Things that have been deposited in your spiritual bank account. The word of God is your spiritual window. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. So faith, what is faith? Can somebody tell me what faith is? It's the substance of things we hope for, the evidence, the persuasion, the, the know that you know that you know that it is real. Amen. But you know, faith is specific. Most people said, you know, when I go and talk to people and pray for people, they said, oh, Sister Audrey, I believe. I believe. I have faith. I have faith. But what they really say is that they, they just put faith in a big, huge compartment general general compartment and they said well i've got faith yes we have faith but faith is specific that's what the bible tells us to pick up the shield of faith in ephesians 6 what does it mean if the devil he says it will fight the fiery darts of the devil how does he fight you Let's say with sickness, it will attack you. Here's the fiery diet of sickness. Now, what are you going to do? You have to pick up the shield of faith. And how do you pick up the shield of faith against the fiery darts of sickness? Can somebody tell me? But the word of God, but remember faith is specific. Will I say, okay, sickness is attacking my body. So, okay, I'm going to pick up the shield of faith. Anybody, I'm going to say, my God shall supply almighty God to his riches and glory through Jesus Christ. Or um, I'm going to say, 
You see, so many people, faith, they, they make it general. But faith is specific. What do I mean by that? I mean that you pick up the shield of faith to defend you against the darts of sickness. You've got to be specific. You've got to pick up scriptures, the word of God. Open your window and find specific scriptures that will show you the will of God concerning sickness or concerning healing. Amen. So what, how do you build up your shield of faith? You put, you know, scriptures. Bless the Lord, all oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of our iniquity and heals all of our diseases. I wish above all things, my beloved, that you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prosper. Who himself bore our sickness and carried our pain on his body, by whose stripes we were healed. Amen. You see, you pick up scriptures... That shows you specifically the will of God for against that dart. That's how you pick up the shield of faith. Faith is specific. You see, now that you build, you got a shield of faith about healing, and now poverty hits your house. You lose your job. You can't pay your bills. So uh, the, the, that fiery dart of lack hits your house. What do you do? By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Is that going to protect you against lack? You see, but I have faith. I had a shield of faith. It's a shield of faith against the fiery darts of sickness. But now you've got to pick up a shield of faith for, for prosperity amen. or to, amen, to meet your needs. Philippians 4.19 or uh, uh, Matthew 6.25, you know. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all things shall be added to you. Verse 33. You know what I mean? And so, uh, uh, you, this is, faith has to be specific. That means that you've got, in order to have faith for a specific area, you've got to open your spiritual window, discover the will of God for that specific need, and then, and you will pick up the shield of faith by putting that word into your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. Faith is specific. That's why there is faith to be healed, faith to be saved. Faith for wisdom, faith for sleep, right? <laughs> Christian, faith for wisdom. Amen. Yeah. Anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, but let him ask in faith. faith. Amen. Hallelujah. So faith is specific. Glory to God. Now the next question. Do I need lots of faith to overcome my problem? There is that concept that you've got to have lots of faith to conquer the problem. So you see people that are trying to get more faith and more faith. So they got more stuff, more faith to try to, you know, I've got more faith. I need more faith. I don't have enough faith. I didn't get healed. I didn't have enough faith. Nope. You see, we find in the Bible that sometimes Jesus says, Oh, you of great faith or of you of little faith. Example. In Matthew 14, verse 31, Matthew 14, 31, it says, Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to me, to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus told Peter he had little faith, right? Yeah. Oh, you remember the centurion that says, You don't even come to my house. Just speak the word and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus marveled, amen, in Matthew 8, 10. And he says, I have never seen so great faith 
in all of Israel. So we see here that Jesus said that there are great faith or little faith. But you know what? Jesus here was not talking about quantity. He was talking about quality of the faith. The word little faith, the word little faith. Now, why do I say that? In Matthew, verse, Matthew 17, verse 20, in Matthew 17, verse 20, Jesus says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, how big is a mustard seed? David, how, uh, how, how big is it? Tiny. He says, if you have faith as big, as little as a mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain and it shall move. And nothing shall be impossible. You're telling me that a little bitty faith, like a mustard seed, is enough to accomplish the impossible? Therefore, Jesus is telling us it's not a matter of quantity, but it's a matter of the quality of your faith. You see, when Jesus says little faith, the word little faith it's the word oligo. Can you see on that board? Oligopistos. Oligopistos. Little faith. And you know what it means? In the Vine Dictionary, it means a faith of short, a short faith. A, a faith that lasts little. Uh, or, or a faith that doesn't last long, but that gives up before the end. Faith short in time and value. I like in the Burmese Bible, when I go to Burma, the word little faith is not little faith. It's said weak faith. Weak faith. Or strong faith instead of great faith. You see, Jesus told them a little faith like a, a grain of mustard can accomplish the impossible. So when he says, Peter, oh, you of little faith, what was he saying? Why did you doubt? Why did you give up before the end? Yeah. Your faith was short. That's good. Your faith was short-lived. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. And the word great faith is the word tosutos. Pistis. You recognize the word pistos or pistos. Pistis is the word faith. Tosutos, pistis, it means long-lived faith, a faith that is strong and lasts long. Why did, he, why did people have great faith? Because they did not give up. They did not give up until they got what they came for. Amen. That's the reason why people like the woman who had the issue of blood or the guy that was carried on a stretcher by four friends. What kind of faith did they have? They had a tosutos pistos because when everything was against them, when the culture says it's impossible, when they strengthen their body, it's impossible. When those guys were knocking at the door and there was no more room for them, they did not give up. They didn't say, well, it must not be the will of God. No, they said, we can get through the door, we'll find a way through the roof. And that woman with the issue of blood, everything was against her. But you see, her faith refused to give up. Her faith refused to stop. That is great faith. It's a faith that lasts forever. It's a faith that starts and continues Duracell. Doesn't give up. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
a faith that refused to give up. It's got to be a faith that is tenacious. A strong, that's why it's not little faith, it's weak faith. It starts, it gives up. It's not a, a great faith, it's great in the sense that it's a strong faith that is tenacious, that refused to give up. And that's the kind of faith that Jesus is looking for. You remember that widow that came to the unjust judge? Amen. In Luke 18, let's go there. Luke 18. There's been a misconception about this verse and this chapter where people have thought that that poor widow went to the judge and couldn't get what she wanted, so she came back, and then she came back, and then she came back, and finally the judge said, oh, fed up with her, I'll just... Give it to her. But the word he says, and he says that Jesus says, do not faint. Men ought to pray and not faint. Right? The word faint, actually, this is what it means. The word faint actually means, it's the word ekakeo. It means to be weak or weary, to lack courage and to give up. So Jesus, he says, men ought to pray and not give up. And not faint. And not lack courage. Amen. Not to be weak. And it says, and the, it says that the judge says, I'm going to give it to her. Lest by her continual coming, she wearies me. And we have that picture, continual coming. It's a back and forth, back and forth. But the word continual coming, listen to what it means in the Greek. Continual coming, it's the word eis, telos, erkomai. It means to come and be set until the end. To come and be set until the end. It means to set out for a definite goal until one gets the desired result. You know what it means? It's what I call a bulldog faith. It's a, it's a, you know, less by her coming that continued and would not and, and didn't end. It means she came, planted her feet, and says, I know what belongs to me. I'm not going anywhere until I get. I'm camping here, buddy. Sorry. I'm here for, just for good. I'm not going anywhere until I get what I came for. And Jesus, what did Jesus say? He says, but when the man of the Son of God returns on earth, will he find faith? Will he find that kind of faith? Or will he find people that believe and then halfway are they going to kind of give up, throw and says, no. Will he find that tosutos pistis, that strong faith that starts and refuse to quit? Will he find that kind of faith that the woman with the issue of blood, will he can find that kind of faith like the guy that carried the par paralytic on a stretcher? A faith that starts and refuses to give up until the, the desired result. It's a strong faith that refused to quit. A strong faith that you remember when Peter, Peter had faith, didn't, did he not? When he, he saw Jesus walk on the water, he says, if it is you, if it is I am, that's what Jesus said, it is I am. If it is I am, God, bid me to come. 
And Jesus, what was he going to say? He said, come. So he started to walk. And then what did he do? He started to look around. And he started to believe more what he could see, what he could feel, what he could hear, instead of believe the word of God. And he had faith, but his faith was short-lived. He quit before the end. But thank God that God is so good, he reached out and pulled him out of the water. Amen. The good thing about faith, it's, it's we are learning to walk the walk of faith. And if you, God is pleased that we even get out of the boat. God is happy that we are learning to walk like a little child. And if we fall, God says, it's okay, my, hey, come on, get up. You can do it. Amen. The fact is people start to walk by faith and then they quit, they stop, and then they give up altogether. No, no, no. Don't stay down. Get back up and try again. Amen. Yeah. That's how we learn. That's how you learn to walk, didn't you? Did you walk straight and run all when you were one year old? At one year old, David ran the marathon. Way to go, David. No, you had, I guarantee you, you had a, f a few falls on the way before crawling and running. You had to fall and get back up and fall. And that's the walk of faith. Amen. But the, the, the desired goal is to obtain, to get a faith that is strong, that refuses to give up. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We want a tenacious, tenacious faith. Let's go with me to Luke 17. In Luke 17. Oh, glory to God. We're about to see maybe a miracle. I believe, I believe. How many of you would give me Five more minutes. Anybody? Amen. Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty, thirty-five. Just kidding. You see, some of you didn't even raise your hand because you knew where I was going. I just got the new one. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 15, you see, so many pe people, they think they need more faith. So what do they do? They say, God, give me more faith. God, give me more faith. Go with me to Luke chapter 17. No, 17. That was the, the widow. So now we're in Luke 17. <clears throat> in Luke 17, verse 5, the apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. What did Jesus answer? The Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant, plying or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once, sit down, rest, eat, put your feet under the table, but will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper, gird yourself, serve the, me until I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink. Now why? Jesus, the disciples, doesn't make sense. The disciples are saying, increase our faith. Give us more faith. And Jesus said, well, to start with, you don't need more faith. Because yeah. with a little bitty faith, like a mustard seed, you can do the impossible. And then he goes into a little parable saying, how many of you, if you have a servant that is working in the field, when he comes back, you're going to tell him to sit down, to prop his feet up, to rest, to eat, do nothing. Anybody? He says, no, 
As soon as the servant comes, you're going to tell him to go to work and serve you. Why is Jesus, he's talking about faith and all of a sudden he's going into that little mini parable talking about a servant coming back from the field and that has to work. Why? Because Jesus compared faith to a servant. A servant, his duty, his responsibility is to work until everything is done. And in the same way, your faith, God is not going to increase your faith, but you've got a responsibility to put your faith to work. That's the reason why Jesus said, you see, God is not going to give you more faith, but he's going to expect you to put your faith to work. And if you allow me to say this way, you can compare faith like Jesus compared faith to a servant because in the spiritual realm, you can compare it to the physical realm. If you allow me to say it's like faith is like a muscle. You know, every one of you, when you were a bitty little baby, you were, we were all born with the same amount of muscle. You see, my husband didn't, he wasn't born with more muscle than I did. In the crib, we probably, kind of probably, looked alike. <laughs> That's why people look in the nursery and see all those babies and they say, which one is mine? They can't even tell if it's a girl or a boy. You know, because as baby, we were all born looking the same and we were all born with the same amount of muscles, right? But why is it that some people are like Mr. Universe, walking with huge muscles? And why is it that others are like me or like my little friend? What's the difference? Does it mean that Mr. Universe was born with more muscle? No, we were born with the exact same amount of muscle. But what is the difference? Is Mr. Universe put his muscles to work. Eight, ten hours a day. He put pressure on his muscle. He exercised and put them to work day and day in and day out. And what happened? He did not get more muscles. He got stronger muscle. You see? And in the spirit, our faith is like a muscle. The Bible says that we were all given the measure of faith. In chapter Roman chapter, Roman chapter 12 verse 3, you see, a bodybuilder, he cannot say and says, please, David, lay hands on me to give me more muscle. If a bodybuilder would ask somebody, give me more muscle, you look at him, you say, you, you've lost it. Because you've got, buddy, it's your choice. You've got to do it. Amen? Yeah. But why is it that people go, please, Rachel, lay hands on me so I have more faith? You can lay hands on somebody until they're bald. It's not going to give you more faith. Why? The Bible says that we were all given the measure of faith. But we've got to put that faith to work. Like a muscle, we've got to put pressure and exercise that faith. And the more you put it to work, the more you exercise it, the stronger it will get. And so, have you seen Romans 12, 3? It says... God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. There is some, some translation that says a measure of faith, but that the original text says the measure of faith. That means that we were all given the same measure of faith. Lest you don't believe it, look with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. 
Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1, it says that, so, how many of you know that Simon Peter did some pretty amazing thing? Right? He did some awesome miracles after he got his thing straight, you know? <laughs> Second Peter chapter 1, 1, it says, Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like, like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. We have received the same like precious faith that Peter did. Peter, who, who saw a man by the, door, by the door beautiful and said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to you. Rise up and walk. The man that walked in the street of Jerusalem and his shadows healed people. We've got the same like precious Faith than Peter. Why? Because we were all given the same measure of faith. But what, like the bodybuilder, some of us have exercised our faith. We've put pressure on our faith. We believe God. We started, we, instead of taking the easy road, we decided to use and exercise our faith. And we got stronger spiritual muscles. But some people are. Because they have never put pressure on their faith. They have never took a stand and exercised and put their faith to work. That's why I remember when I was in Bible school years ago and I started to learn about faith and learn, I made a choice that I would start right away to put my faith to work. You know, I'm going to give you a challenge tonight. You've heard about faith. I want to put a challenge to start doing something, asking God, how can I put my faith to work this right. week? Whether it is believing God for a job, whether it is for believe God for a, I don't know what you need, a healing or a new coat or your house to be sold or something. Choose, even if it's for a pair of new socks, you've got to start somewhere. You know, but the problem is people never put their faith to work. And they have, you know what happened in the body, the muscles? What Have you seen somebody in the hospital that has never moved and used their muscles for months, what happened? Atrophy. Why? If you don't use your muscles, they shrink. They become weak. Faith is the same. If you don't use your faith and don't put uh, uh, pressure on your faith, you got atrophied faith. So we've got, I want you to raise up, take up the challenge and said, I'm going to find something that I can yeah. exercise my faith with. It can be small, little, big, whatever. But the important thing is to start, if you have not already done it, start putting pressure on your faith. Start putting your faith to work because faith is your servant. And Jesus said, you remember what Jesus said. He says, and when you have done what is required of you, just say, I'm an unprofitable servant. Why? Because God is expecting faith out of us. God is expecting us to use our faith because we're believers. Amen. That's the mode of operation of the kingdom of God. We should live by faith, walk by faith, breathe by faith, talk by faith. Amen. Hallelujah. It's that time. I got 20 more minutes. <laughs> Not really. That's the reason why in James chapter 2, you see, I find people that have faith, they believe. They persuaded. 
but they never put they never put their faith to work because James 2:20 says faith without work or without action yeah. is dead or it's inactive yeah. it's yeah. it's powerless it's unfruitful you see you can believe all you want the bible James actually is pretty ironic he says even the devil in hell believe <laughs> they believe there is a god and we know the end result <laughs> believe he said you can have faith you can believe, but if you never put it to work, it's not going to produce anything. Faith with that action, faith with that putting it to work will not produce any, any, anything, any result, any success. So we've got to put our faith to work, amen, for our faith to grow, for our faith to be strong, for our faith to be tosutos. That means that it's, it's not short-lived. It's not weak and feeble. No, it's strong. It was going to last the, the, the test of time yep. until the end. Amen? Amen? And God expects us to exercise our faith. So how many of you are going to pick up the challenge? Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. But I'm telling you, faith is, if you are willing, so what you're going to do is whatever it is that you need, you're going to pick up the shield of faith for that. That means you open your window, find verses that applies to what you, you, and then be willing to stand on that word and be willing to believe that it is true, that it is real, that it is, you know that you know that you know, even if anything else tells you otherwise. Amen? Amen? So we'll see you Wednesday, next Wednesday, and we are going to talk about how to put your face to work. Amen. More specifically, amen? Amen. And there's got to be more good stuff. Father, we thank you. I speak a blessing on every person here tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that the word that they heard would go into their heart. We bring fruit, Father God, and that they will be doers of the word and not hearers of the word. And Lord, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping them. Father God, helping them to put their faith to work. And I thank you, Father God, for good testimonies, for miracles, for success. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on GoTel Ministry, our teaching, our itinerary, and to discover the many testimonies of those who have been touched and healed by the power of God, you may visit our website at www.gotelministry.com gotelministry.org and remember that Jesus came to give you life and life in abundance.